If you're new around here, I'm Pastor Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Bridge Goldsboro. I'm so glad you're here. We are in a series called Journey of Life. We're talking about what it means to be fully devoted to God, but yet not yet be fully mature. And what does that mean as we go along? And we have the understanding that being fully devoted to God means we've said yes to Him. We're all in, but being fully mature is a process that takes, well, the rest of our lives. Because if anybody's perfect in the room, just go ahead and raise your hand, and we'll say you're there. <laughs> but we all know uh, that we're not perfect. And so if that's the case, then we have to believe that God has growth for us as we go along. And our spiritual journey is this maturing process inside of us. And we're defining being fully mature as being at the appropriate level of, of development for every stage of life. And so in this series, we're talking about the different stages of spiritual maturity. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the teen stage. And we're kind of liking it to uh, growing up. We talked about the infant stage last week. We've crossed the line of faith. And today we're talking about the teen stage. Uh, in this series, the, the goal for us is to, is to try to assess where we are. What stage am I in? That's the question that I'm asking myself. Um, and be honest with myself. You be honest with you. There is no um, condemnation. There is no you should be this or you should be that. But just as a starting point, where am I? And so as we talk today and as we talk in weeks to come, ask yourself the question, is this relevant to me? Is this where I'm at? Could this be where I am? And at the end of the series, we're going to give you uh, a Christian maturity assessment tool. We're calling it CMAT because that's just too long to say. <laughs> but we're giving uh, that away, and we want you to take it and answer the questions in it, and it'll give you a good starting point to assess where am I and what stage am I in in this spiritual maturity journey that I'm in with God? So the first thing is find out where you're at and be honest with yourself. The second thing is this, and this is equally as important, is commit to grow. Don't get in a rut. Once you figure out where you are, don't stop there because God wants to grow you. So being fully committed is saying I'm all in. Being fully mature is being at the appropriate level of development for every stage of life. So know where you are, and then secondly, commit to grow to the next stage. The Bible tells us to grow. In fact, it says this very specifically, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that, that doesn't sound like a suggestion to me, and we know that the scriptures are clear. He's telling us you need to grow. So don't fret over where you are. Maybe, maybe you're in the infant stage, or maybe you're, you're in the, the teen stage, and maybe you thought you were further, or maybe you didn't, and maybe you, you're right where you thought you were. But don't fret over where you're at. That's the biggest thing I, I tell people. Don't worry about you know, where somebody else is or, or you wish you were further along. It's always good to aspire to grow in God and, and use other people as examples and look up to them. But whenever we look to where we're not and it becomes an unhealthy thing, like all we do is just fret over where we actually are, we miss the blessings that God has for us in the stage that we're in. And so as we talk about these stages, don't fret over where you're at. Rejoice and say, this is where I am, and I'm inviting God into the mix right now, and I want him to take me to the next place. So God has, has blessings for you now. He has a unique journey for you. Uh, he, he delights whenever you say, this is where I'm at, God, and I just want you to be with me where I am, and I want you to walk with me where I'm at. Do you know that, that God loves it when we're transparent before him? Whenever we come to him and we try to be something we're not, he sees right through. He knows you. He loves you, and he has the best in mind for you. And I just find great delight in coming to him going, God, I failed at that. <laughs> you know, I, I just really bombed that, God. Just, I need your help. And, and he looks at me with love and grace, and he looks at you the same way. So wherever you're at in this whole journey of things, in this, this uh, Christian maturity journey with God in life, just be who you are. 
be right, no apologies, and just commit to grow. And I promise you, you'll hit every benchmark along the way. Today we're talking about the teen stage. Now, interestingly, teens aren't new on the block. They've been around for a while. They've got some time under their belt. Um, they're pretty solid in their faith, people that are, are kind of in this stage. Um, but they're still finding their way. And, and we've been kind of comparing these stages to the natural stages of life, and we're going to do that today too. Um, so if you think about what a natural teen is, uh, they're still finding their way, right? They know some things, they're solid in some things, but they, they still need direction, they still need help. Um, I have a teen who just went into high school, and he, he has some goals in life right now. These are the things that he's really focusing on, and I'll just read them to you. Uh, save for a car, good goal. Uh, the second goal, I'm quoting this, be a beast at Fortnite. You know what that is. Thirdly, be taller than my dad. That's what he wants to do right now is be taller than, than his dad. And I'm sure these goals are going to change <laughs> later in life as he goes forward. Uh, but right now, he's finding his way. Natural teens, they need direction. They need, they need some help along the way. Uh, and spiritual teens, they're finding their way too. Um, maybe this is the stage you're in. This is not a bad place to be. You're coming into your own as a Christian. And it's important that you know what the characteristics are of a spiritual teen in this stage in the, in the journey um, so that you can grow. And to do that, we're going to look at some of the characteristics, again, of a natural teen, and then we're going to parallel those to what spiritual teens go through and kind of give us a good glimpse at, at what you can expect in this stage. So let's, let's talk about some of the characteristics of a, of a natural teen. Now, some of you have some natural teens right now, and you wish some of the characteristics were a little different. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about what these are. Uh, but natural teens, firstly, they're, they're self-conscious. Natural teens are self-conscious. Now, last week we talked about what an infant is, and infants in Christ and natural infants, they're, they're self-centered. It's a little bit different, but just to kind of give you an, a, 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 something to compare to, babies, um, when they're in their cribs at night, they, they are self-centered. Never have I heard of a baby, and I know there's not, that thought about crying in the middle of the night with a full diaper and an empty stomach and started to cry and go, you know what? My parents work really hard. I just, I just feel like it would wreck me if I cried and woke them up. So I'm going to lay here in this mess until morning. You know, no, nobody has ever done that as, as a baby. They focus on themselves. They've got this, this self-centered attitude. Um, infants, they, they often bring into the Christian journey with them problems that typically that we all come into, into Christ with. We have things that we need fixed in our lives. And so it's easy to kind of be self-centered. Um, that's not a bad place to be. Just commit to grow. In the teen stage, I'm still thinking about me, but I'm seeing a bigger world around me, and I'm wondering where I fit in. My eyes aren't just on me. They're on me, but they're also focused outward, and I'm trying to figure out where I fit in. If you think about seventh and eighth grade, how many for you, that was just like the worst time of your life? <laughs> for a lot of people, a lot of people are raising their hands. Okay. And for a lot of people, it is because that's the stage in life that we begin to ask questions and compare ourselves to everybody. We're looking around. We're asking, why are they prettier than I am? Or why are they more athletic than me? Or why can I be as popular as them? And we start to compare. We want to know how we fit into the world. Um, they want to know, who am I and where do I fit in? Uh, natural teens are self-conscious as they see the world around them. And spiritual teens are too. They, they've come to Christ. They've got some, some ground. And they're starting to look around the church. They're starting to look around the, the whole church world. And they're, they're asking, where what do I do? How do I fit in? There's got to be more. What do, I, what do I do? Natural teens, secondly, are uh, invincible. Now, I say that with a little, uh, little laughter there. They seemingly, they're seemingly invincible. They think they can do anything. Uh, 
Um, in fact, sometimes I, I wonder uh, how I survived <laughs> as, as a teenager. Um, so they, they think they can do anything probably more accurately as they think they can survive anything. Does anybody have the realization as an adult ever had it where you look back and you're just like, you know what, I don't know how I'm still alive today. <laughs> Some of the things I did as, as a teenager. Uh, I heard a story recently of a teenager who was racing his car down Highway 70 in the wee hours of the morning going about 115. Blue lights come on. And uh, this is a thought that goes through his head. I'll bet I could outrun that cop. <laughs> and he tries. That's, that's the stupid thing. He, he actually tries to do it. I mean, at what point ever is it a good idea to try to outrun a cop? What, what goes through your brain to think that's a good idea? And, and the cop later said, listen, son, he said, you could outrun my car maybe. He said, but you can't outrun my radio. He didn't know there were three more around the corner that just radioed, and they, they pinned him in. It didn't end well for him. And I'm not condoning that behavior at all, although we're getting some giggles out of it today. I'm glad everybody was safe. But think about the strength that comes in a teenager's mind that thinks, I can do anything, that equips him or her to make decisions like that. I mean, they feel like that nothing affects them. They can do anything. They can go anywhere. There, there is, there's nothing that they can't do. And I'm not applauding the behavior, but what I am saying is that that is a very valuable strength inside of natural teens and, and spiritual teens as well, because that strength is going to be vital at breaking strongholds in your life, to look at a stronghold in your life and say, you know what, come hell or high water, I'm busting through this through the power of God. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But, but natural teens have this idea and this mindset that they can, they can do anything, go anywhere, and, and they're seemingly invincible. And as a spiritual teen, we're, we, we need that. Uh, let's, let's go to the third one. Natural teens are, they're independent. And if you've ever had a teen or you're raising one now, you know that natural teens want to know where the boundary lines are so that they can push them. <laughs> they, they, they just want to push them. They want to get on the other side of those things. You tell them one thing, they do it different. Uh, there is this stubbornness that they have to be their own person, to get out from underneath the authority of a parent because they feel like they can do it better. And, and I remember as a kid, as a teenager, um, we didn't have cell phones back then. I think I'm the last generation to not have cell phones. And I, I adored my childhood. One of the best things about it when you're a teenager is you could get out of the house and your parents couldn't talk to you anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to try to sneak out because I knew if my dad heard me, I was going to have to do something. And I remember on Friday night trying to sneak out early, and I thought, if I can just get to my car and race out of here, I won't have to see them again till curfew. Or a few minutes after, depending on how froggy I was feeling. That was a joke. I never did that. That was a joke, too. I did. I broke curfew a lot. <laughs> but that, that's, that's what it was. That there is this independence that comes in natural teens, and they think they know the answers because they've been around a while, and they've got some things under their belt, and they want to be independent. Now, as a parent, that would drive you nuts. You just want your teen to listen. Uh, but listen to me, that, that behavior is something they need. It's just being displayed through the arrogance sometimes and, and backtalk of, of a teen. But it needs to be directed, not pushed down. Because that, that very uh, nature they have to be independent and drive they have, uh, if it's directed the right way, that, that same drive they have will help them accomplish huge, huge things in life if you'll direct it and not, and not push it down. One of my boys challenges a lot of what I say. It drives me crazy. And I, and I know that a natural characteristic of a leader is somebody that challenges processes. A leader is always walking around thinking they can do something better. It's just natural for a leader 
That's, that's natural born leader, to challenge processes. Um, but when you're a teen, it comes off as disrespectful. When you're a teen, it comes off as immature, but it needs to be directed, not pushed down. So if, if you're a little further along in your spiritual journey, maybe, and you're not in the teen stage, um, don't squelch this in the lives of spiritual teens. Help them. Help them direct it. Help them, help them further along. But a lot of parents, just natural parents with teenagers, they don't know how to deal with this. Um, and so they end up doing either one or two extremes. They end up saying, it's my way or the highway, and they just put the foot down and just completely squelch it. Or they try to be the, the kid's friend, you know, and they don't want to do anything. And, and both are damaging. But there is this way, with God's help, that we can lead teens, natural teens and spiritual teens, to help direct this, this personality trait in them, the need to be independent and not, not push it down. And it's actually for their benefit later on. Uh, you'd be surprised to know how God inspired uh, this guy in the Bible, John. He actually wrote a few books, and um, he, he inspires him to describe teens. And this is what he says in 1 John 2.14. He says, I write to you, young men. He's talking about these young guys here. Because you're strong. Say strong. And the Word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. He, he's sitting here describing teenagers, but he's doing it describing people that have internalized the Word of God. These are people who have fought some spiritual battles, and they've won some. They actually have made some ground here. These are people who are somewhat established in their faith. And because of this headway, because of the ground that they've covered, just like a natural teen, it's easy to think you know more than you do. It really is. And we're excited about what God's doing in us. We're excited about the things that he says. We're excited about the things that he's watching us do because we've submitted our lives to him. And it's easy, if we're not careful, for this independence to, to think that we know more than we do and have more experience than we do. So what do teens do? They, they push back against the authority thinking that they have a better way of doing things. It, it's easy. Spiritual teens can easily do that too. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's, let's just recap this list here about natural teens. They're, they're self-conscious, right? They have this inward mentality, but they're, they're looking at it through the lens of the world around me. How do I, how do I fit in? Um, natural teens are seemingly invincible. They've got this strength and this mindset that I can go anywhere. I can do anything. I can, I can, I can climb the hill. Um, and natural teens are independent. They've got this natural drive to, to kind of come out under the authority of, of their parents uh, or those in authority because they think they have a better way. Um, let's go back and look at this through the lens of, of spiritual teens, being in the stage of a spiritual teen, okay? And what we're going to compare them. So let's go back to the top. A natural teen um, is self-conscious. Spiritual teens are aware of others. Maybe that's the stage you're in now. You're, you're becoming aware of people around you, needs around you. You've got the heart of God. You've been in your faith a while. Um, and, and I love to watch people that are in this stage walk up to somebody at church, maybe a pastor or a leader, and, and these are the kinds of things that they say. And this is great. I, I absolutely love it. They say, I've got this neighbor, or maybe I've got this friend, and they need Jesus. And I don't know what to say to them, but I know they have this need. Um, and, or, or maybe they say, there's this need in the community. And, you know, uh, there's, there's students that need book bags. Or this organization that helps women, they, they need beds or, or whatever it is. And, and I, I'd love to see that fulfilled. Um, and these are signs that somebody is moving past the I need stage, and they're moving to the I see needs around me stage. Well, what they're doing is they're taking a giant leap from the infant stage to the teen stage. And it's not unusual, uh, because they're, they're in their faith and they're coming with these needs, to look at the pastor and expect the pastor to just go for it or do it. Or somehow the, they're going to unload that onto the pastor or unload that onto a church leader 
and they've got this great idea. Um, and if I had a nickel for every God-inspired idea, which I believe they all are, because they're all good ideas, if I had a nickel for every time someone came to me and said, basically, we, we need you to do this, um, first of all, I wouldn't have any time in my day, and I'd be rich. <laughs> so, I, and so people, the reason why they, they kind of unload it on the pastor is because they don't feel like they can do it themselves. They're not far enough along. And so they freak out when I say, go for it. I mean, whether or not the Bridge Church takes that God-inspired idea and makes it part of what we do or not, don't let that hinder you and, and, and think that you haven't heard from God. Go for it. Fill that need. Maybe we can help. Sometimes it's actually along the lines of what we're already doing. And I say, go for it. Get involved. And, and sometimes they freak out. Like, I can't do that. I, I'm new, right? I don't have, you know, the qualifications. But it, it gets them thinking this, and this is really what I'm honing in on. It gets them thinking, what is my niche in the body of Christ? I see the world around me. I'm wondering how I fit in as a spiritual teen. What is my niche in the body of Christ, in the church? Because remember, natural teens ask two things. Who am I and where do I fit in? Uh, and it's the same with spiritual teens. Where do I fit in? What is my niche? Let's go to the next one. Natural teens are seemingly invincible. Remember, they've got that strength that they can do anything and face anything. Um, that typically other people wouldn't. <laughs> but spiritual teens, they can use that same drive and that same strength to break free from strongholds in their life. Because at this stage, you're still maybe dealing with some strongholds that you had in your, in your previous life, maybe when you were a seeker or maybe whenever you just were living far away from God. And some of, some of the mistakes that we can make as Christians is we think that just because I gave my life to Christ that somehow all the strongholds that used to be over me are gone. And I'm here today to tell you that that is not true. And so we have this crisis moment when we become teens. Because when we first get saved, when we first give our lives to Christ, everything's just good. Man, we are excited. We're joyful. Our old life is gone. The new life is here. But then when we reach that teen stage, we begin to understand that, you know what? Some of the strongholds I'm still dealing with, they are going to have an effect on my future growth in God. And so there's this cycle that we, we, we go through. We, we, we don't want to, but we do. We begin to, to face the temptation again. But we don't do it with the right mindset, and so we fall back into it. And then we come back around again, and we wonder, well, why did I do that? I must be a bad Christian, or God must not love me anymore. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is, is that God has the power to give you, if you'll think about it the right way, and I'm going to read the scripture in a minute, to be able to walk you through your stronghold, and he will come alongside that, that strength, that I'm going to call it spiritual stubbornness that you have within you to push through and do these things and, and, and to walk through and say, I am going to do this come hell or high water. And, and I've seen people fall and get back up and fall and get back up and fall and get back up. It's that spiritual teen stubbornness that says, I'm going to do it. Come hell or high water, I'm going to go through and I'm going to beat this thing. You'll never do it in your own strength. But you, you can do it through the power of God. Uh, the, this guy in the Bible named Paul, he, he's a church leader. He's talking to the church, and this is what he says uh, about growing in this area. And he talks about it in two parts in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2. He's, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This looks like the, the infant stage. We've given our lives to God. We're presenting our life to him. And then the teen stage begins, and this is what he says. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, 
and perfect will. He's saying, present yourself to God, he said, and then grow. And then be transformed. And this, this is what happens in this stage. We realize we have strongholds. We realize that they're still present. And we try to tackle them in and of our own strength. And we fail. Christians that don't grow in the power of God, they're, they're easy targets for Satan to pull backwards. And the reason is because we're relying on ourselves when we don't grow. We're, we're getting in this rut, and our brains are thinking the same things they thought before whenever we got into those strongholds. And we begin to make the same rationalizations about the temptations that we made before. But we come to church, and, and we're, we're gaining some ground. But at the same time, we're still thinking the same as we did before. And Paul said, you can't do that. He said, you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to think different about it. And so we, 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 when we don't do that, we go forward facing these strongholds, but we're doing it in and of our own willpower, thinking the same thoughts we used to think. And eventually we get tired of the struggle in our own power because at the end of your willpower, you fail. Some can go longer than others. Some can go months. Some can go an hour. Some, some just are more talented and they got a, a bigger drive. They can go, but eventually you'll fail in and of your own strength. But he said, it's not about your willpower. He said, you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you have to think different. When that temptation comes in to your life, it's not like we're just going to make the same rationalizations and try, 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 but I'm actually going to let God's power rest in me, and I'm going to think different about that. And what you do in your mind, you display in life. What you rehearse in your mind, you resemble in life. And so if you want a different outcome in life, if you want to resemble something different, then you have to rehearse it different in your mind. It all comes down to the way you think about it. Paul said it thousands of years ago. He said, you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I just want you to know, when you do that, what you're doing is inviting God's power into your life to help you with the strongholds that you have. And natural teens, they've got this drive, this determination. They're seemingly invincible. And as a spiritual teen, you can have that same drive when you invite God's power into your life. I, I'm, I'm going to defeat this. I can't do it myself, but I'm going to fall on my face before God and let him change me. I'm going to let God's power rest in me. You have access to God's strength. And that spiritual stubbornness that you have as a spiritual teen, if this is where you are, it'll help you grow. But you've got you to let that stubbornness drive you to God not drive to fix your own problems because you can, you can never do it. 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 1, Paul's talking to these Christians who, they haven't grown at all. They're, they're kind of stuck in this stage, this cycle of, of giving in and facing these strongholds, but yet never, never overcoming them through God's power. And he says, you know what? God is, God is troubled when you don't grow. <laughs> it's not just that he condemns you. He's actually troubled. Listen to what he says. He says, dear brothers, he's talking to the church, I've been talking to you as though you were still babies in the Christian life who are not following the Lord, but your own desires. I can't talk to you as I would a healthy Christian who, who's filled with the Spirit. In other words, filled with the power of God. He says, I've, I've had to feed you with milk and not with solid food because you couldn't digest anything stronger. And even now you have to be fed on milk. And he's talking figuratively about Christians who aren't growing. They're kind of stuck in this infant stage, right? And maybe they got a little bit further along, but they're still kind of doing the same things they always did. They're not growing. And he says, for you're still only baby Christians controlled by your own desires, not God's. When you're jealous of one another and divide up into quarreling groups, you're acting like people who don't even belong to the Lord at all. And he's saying, as a Christian, as somebody who's given their life to God, as somebody who's sold out and fully devoted, he said, you're not growing. He said, there's a, there's a problem here. 
He said, when I first dealt with you, I dealt with you like kids. He's like, you were infants in Christ. You had just crossed that line of faith. Fine. He said, that's, that's the place you were supposed to be. You were fully mature for the stage that you were in. He's saying, but now years later, you haven't grown. And for whatever reason, he's saying, you don't even see a problem with it. You're facing the same struggles, the same issues. You're looking, you know, a year or two down the road, you're looking back, you're the same person you were back then. There's no growth. I mean, if we, we look at our kids and they don't grow, there's a problem with that. And we will go to the doctor, we will find out why our kids aren't growing. We, I mean, as a parent, that troubles us. But yet when we look at our spiritual lives, sometimes we can just, we don't care at all. Sometimes we just, we, we, we just kind of float and we get into a rut and we just stay the same, not understanding that God's power in us gives us the drive, gives us the ability for everything that we need to do to walk through and break strongholds in our life. Maybe you've been a Christian too long to be dealing with the same struggles that you're dealing with now, the same strongholds that were in your life that you know, you know, I should have kicked this years ago. And, and I always say this, if you could have done it yourself, you'd have done it already. That's the fact. I think I need to say that again. I'll say it for me. I'll say it for you. If we could handle our own issues and our own strongholds, we would do it already. We would have done it. You'd have kicked them a long time ago. The fact is, is that you need something else, and that something else is God's power in your life. Remember that, that natural strength that teens have to go anywhere and do anything? God has what you need as a spiritual teen to break free of strongholds in your life. And you don't have to walk around defeated. There, there is something that God wants to do in your life, strongholds that you're facing that as a spiritual teen, God wants to move you to that next place. But there are things in your life that you're still trying to do in and of your own power. You'll never do it. It's just simple as that. You will never do it. You'll make strides. Life will be good in seasons, but you will never in and of yourself handle your own strongholds, get over your own issues. You need something else. Romans 8, one and two, verses 1 and 2 says what it is. It says, so there is no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ Jesus. I love how he says that because you know what that tells me? That tells me no matter what strongholds I face, God still loves me and God still loves you. But he says this, he says, for the power of the life-giving spirit, he said, and this power is mine through Jesus Christ, it's freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. It's that circle that I, I love God, I want to do God's will, I'm making him all the promises in the world, and then I get tempted with that thing. Maybe you're just, you're, you're, you're smoking cigarettes and you know it's bad for your health. You know that, that you need to kick that habit because it's something that, you know what, it's literally going to lessen your life. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's for you. Maybe that's a conviction that you have and you keep coming back to it when, when times get rough. Or, or maybe it's an unhealthy internet addiction. Maybe it's overspending on the internet. Or, or maybe it's, it's being addicted to Facebook, which, by the way, if you put your phone down and your eyes are crossed, you've probably been on it a little bit too long. Uh, maybe it's something as detrimental as, as pornography. It's a very real struggle. Let's not be naive. And, and let's, let's, let's just say that, you know what, sometimes we, we come at these things and it's this circle. We make God a bunch of promises. We say we never want to do it again. We mean it, but yet it's this circle. We come back to it, but yet we think the same way when it comes to the temptation. And we give in the exact same way. We make the same rationalizations. And then it's this circle again. We feel bad. We think God can't use us. God can't love us anymore. I'm just going to hide away, which is what we naturally do when we get into sin. We drift away from everybody into isolation because we're ashamed. 
and, and I'm, I'm digging in, I'm saying it in love, but I, I need you to hear me now. That is a vicious cycle that Paul says you will not be able to get out of other than having the power of God in your life through the Holy Spirit that is accessible through Jesus Christ. He says it, it freed him from the vicious cycle of sin and death. There is power to overcome strongholds in your life. Listen to me, you need to hear it. There is a power, not in and of yourself, from God to overcome strongholds in your life as a spiritual teen, but it demands that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind in the way you think. It demands you saying, God, I want to think about this your way, not my way. I don't want to make the same rationalizations. God, I want you to grow me. I want you to change me. It's not enough for me to be in this vicious cycle where I feel good one minute and I give in the next, and I feel good one minute and, and I give in the next. I want to grow. And I just want to encourage you and tell you, as a Christian, walking in Jesus Christ, you have everything you need to overcome strongholds in your life through the power of God. You do. Spiritual teens have strongholds, but they have everything they need to break free. And you have everything you need to break free. Somebody say amen in the house today. Let's go to the next one. Natural teens uh, are independent. Sometimes they, they push back. And oftentimes, spiritual teens, with this same kind of mentality, they struggle, and they struggle with authority. Um, if teens had their way, they wouldn't want anybody telling them what to do. Uh, Sometimes my teen looks at me, and I know he's thinking it, <laughs> and he's, he, bless his heart, he's, he's respectful enough not to say it, but I know he's thinking it. Um, teens, they, they, they've gotten just far enough in life where they've got it figured out. <laughs> I was that way. Uh, spiritual teens can feel the same way. They've, they've come a good ways in their faith. They've got some things figured out. They've internalized the word like we read in that scripture a little bit ago. Um, and it's not a bad place to be. They know some things about God. And sometimes, like natural teens, uh, their opinions are so strong, they don't want anybody in authority to challenge them. And it comes in the form of a Jesus juke a lot of times. Has anybody ever Jesus juked you? Do you know what I'm talking about? I had this guy come up to me and want to talk about his life. He, sa he said he needed some advice. This was years ago. And uh, after talking with him, I listened to him and and I realized um, that his behaviors and habits were completely contradictory to the Word of God. And this is a Christian, and he was, you know, wanting advice to, to go forward. And, and as a Christian, I said, look, man, I said, I, I'm not perfect. I just want to admit that from the beginning. I said, but man, these, these are things in your life that are completely contradictory to what God's Word says. I said, let's, let's make some changes. I'm here to help you. I said, but this is what it says, and I just want to be bold and in love. Tell you, I care about you, man, but this is wrong. And he looked at me, and I kid you not, this is what he says. I'll pray about it. Bam! Jesus juked right there. And what, what he was saying is, well, he just quoted the Bible. <laughs> and it's never been more true in my life. And I don't want to deal with that right now. Hmm, I know. I'll pray about it. And what that means is, is I, I, I pulled the pray card, and that means you have no authority in my life because now it's me and God. And I'm withdrawing from you because I'm just going to be me and God, and you can't say anything because I said I was going to pray about it. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. You know you've done that. You've looked at somebody because you don't want to go to their house, and you spiritualize it. Well, I'll pray about that. Or somebody told you something that you knew was wrong and, and maybe quoted the Word of God to you, and all of a sudden we Jesus juke them. I'll pray about that. Listen, God puts spiritual leaders in our life for a reason. It's important. Some, sometimes Jesus juking happens within the organization of a church. I had a spiritual teen years ago tell me, they said, hey, pastor, I, I know you're the pastor here. I know you're leading here. 
Um, but I'm going to pray and see if your vision and your direction for this church lines up with what God gave me. Bam! Jesus juke. I'm going to go to God and somehow they think that just because they say they're going to pray about it, it somehow omits them from falling under the authority that God puts in place. And this, is, this happens all the time. Yet the Bible is so clear when it comes to leadership and, and spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers in our lives. And I, I just want to say, these leaders are God-ordained to be loving and, and, and care, caregivers. They're supposed to be leading you in the truths of God's Word. And the Bible talks about different roles in the church. In, in Acts 14, we see where Paul and Barnabas were appointed as elders in the church. Um, in Ephesians 4, he describes different layers of leadership within the church, and he describes the different roles and people that are, are operating in their gifts and in their talents, leading the church, spirit-filled men and women who are leading in love. If you've read the scripture, you, you may have heard this. He said there were some to be, uh, some called uh, to be prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors and, and all these things, and they're meant to lead. They're meant to, to be a spiritual authority, not to lord over, not to somehow be dictators, but in love, in Christ Jesus, lead and, and guide people that are in the church. Um, however you look at that, the fact is, is that God gave them. And our job as the church is, is to recognize them. Uh, there's this uh, letter in the New Testament called Titus, and a letter is being written to this leader, Titus the pastor, um, of some of these churches. And chapter 1, verse 5 says this. This is, what, this is what he says. I left you there on the island of Crete so that you could do whatever was needed to help and strengthen each of the churches. So you get the, the mandate from the leader is to help and strengthen. They're supposed to do your job in such a way that edifies, moves the church forward, and, and strengthens them. Uh, and then it says this, and I asked you to appoint elders in every city who would follow the instructions that I gave you. I wanted you to appoint elders. I wanted you to appoint spiritual fathers in the church to be able to help lead these people. It's easy for spiritual teens to see their journey as their own journey that nobody else has the right to speak into. And all I got to do is say, I'll pray about it. And all of a sudden, that just omits me from falling under your leadership or your authority. Listen, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says this. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and be willing to do what they say. For their work is to watch over your, watch over your souls. Their whole, their whole job is to look after the well-being of what God put in you. And, and this part is something that we don't typically see, but it says that God's going to judge leaders, judge spiritual leaders in the house on how well they do this. In other words, you, the, the leaders, the authority in the church that God puts, that they're going to be judged by God and held accountable on how they led. And, and, and maybe you're not a leader. You don't have to have that over you, but me as a pastor and as a spiritual leader in this house and in this church, I'm going to be held accountable for how I lead. And following after the heart of God, I get a good understanding of how God loves me and how he forgave me. And God gives me the supernatural, it's the only way I can describe it as supernatural, because we don't get this as humans, the supernatural ability to be able to see and love like he sees and love. Only God can do that. He gives it to all of us. But I think there's a special grace that he gives to spiritual leaders that are seeking him because they are responsible for leading God's people and not, not judging in condemnation, not leading out of their own motives, but leading the church how he would lead. This is, this is a God-inspired 
entrusting of his people to leaders, godly leaders in the church. And he says, you're gonna be held accountable for it. This is what he says to the leaders. So he goes on to say, folks, give them reason to report joyfully about you to the Lord. And I know leaders aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. My intent is never to deceive you or lead you wrong. I'm not perfect. But this verse says that God is going to judge spiritual leaders on how well they lead. And, and he says, your job is to give them a reason to report joyfully. Not Jesus juke them. <laughs> Just like a natural teen, spiritual teens have, have been around long enough. They've, they've been doing it long enough. It's a natural thing sometimes to struggle with spiritual authority. It is. And you need to know something. And I say this with the utmost respect for you and love for you. But it's wrong. And God expects better of you than that. He does. Maybe you realize today, you know what? I'm a spiritual teen and I've been struggling with that. I have people sometimes come up to me and say, you know what, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I don't need you to tell me what to do. And I want you to know God expects better of you than that. And if you're struggling with that, I, I want you to know two things. One, you're loved. The, the goal is never to do anything but love you and to get God's best for you. And secondly, I want you to know we want to help you grow. We want to help you grow to the next place of spiritual maturity, not hold you back. So God's got great things for you. And a lot of times, natural teens and spiritual teens of life, like the reason they struggle with authority is because they feel like the authority is holding them back for what is best for them. Our goal is to love you. Our goal is to help you grow and be there for you and not hold you back for what God has for you. Maybe today you, you realize, you know what, I'm, I'm a spiritual teen. I want you to know something. There is nothing wrong with where you are. You're right where you're supposed to be. These are the natural characteristics of the stage. But just like every other stage, commit to grow. I said it in the beginning. I'm going to say it now. Commit to grow to the next place. Grow in your maturity in, in God. There's nothing wrong where you are with where you're at. Invite God into it and commit to grow. So I'm not just going to say that. I'm going to give you three ways really fast to grow. There's, there's three, three things every spiritual team needs as they grow. And I want to give you what they are fast. Here's the first one, trust. Trust your spiritual parents that God has put in your life. Trust. Sometimes it's hard to grasp why. Sometimes you don't know why. You're looking at, at somebody in the church, a leader or your pastor, and you're going, I don't understand that. I looked at my 15-year-old the other day. He's almost 15. And, and I was talking with him, and he didn't understand. I was talking with him again, and he didn't understand. And finally, it just hit me. I was like, dude, you're not going to get it, and that's okay. <laughs> but what I need you to do right now is, is just understand that I'm leading you in a way that is right. And you don't get it right now. Maybe one day you will. And I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I hate it when my dad used to say that. I said, but I promise you right now I love you, and you know that I would never lead you wrong. And right now I understand you don't get it. You don't understand the reasons why, but I just need you to trust Trust me. Yes, sir. He hated that when I said that. But he knows I love him and he knows I care about him. And sometimes as spiritual teens, we need to look at the spiritual parents that we have in our lives. Maybe it's somebody in your family or maybe it's a leader right here at this church. And trust them. Whenever you don't feel like you want to do something, trust your spiritual parents. And this also means that the parents that are around, the leaders, me, other people in your, in your life, they need to be loving and they need to be caring and they need to be just as effective as Jesus Christ is in leading you. First trust. Second this, learn the Bible. 
Learn the Bible. Learn what it actually says. There's so much influence that we have in society that, you know, we, we look at movies and we look at what other people are doing and it sounds scriptural, it sounds godly, so we go with it, but you have nothing to compare it to. And in your growth, you will, you'll get stumped every time if you don't base what you do on the Word of God. And the only way you do that is to know it. And I would even be as bold as to say this, do not take my word for it. I, I, I want you to learn from me. I want you to be encouraged by me. I want you to, to be inspired by what God speaks through me. But I want you to not to take my word for it. Go study it for yourself. Learn the word of God for yourself. Learn what it actually says so that when you're walking through life and you're, you're faced with these temptations or you're faced with decisions you have to make, bounce it off the word of God that you've already got inside of you. Learn what the Word of God says. It is so important. If you don't have the Word of God inside of you, you will fail every time when the rubber meets the road. You will. Know the Word of God. Learn what it actually says about your life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. It's God's way of making us well-prepared at every point, fully equipped to do good to everybody. So learn what it says. Not what somebody else thinks it says or what somebody else feels. Learn what the Bible says. Psalm 18:30 says this, As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. Learn what the word of God says. So important. Third thing, real quick. If you're a spiritual teen, this is what you need to grow. Find your niche and serve. Find your niche in the Word of God. We said before, teens are trying to find their way, and they're trying to think about how they fit in. When you're trusting your spiritual parents, and when you're learning the Word of God for yourself, find out what your niche is and serve. Uh, Ask questions. What are the passions that I have inside of me? What has God gifted me with? What am I good at? And maybe just the question is this, what do you know you're supposed to be doing? Sometimes we Jesus juke. I'm going to pray about it. No, what do you know you're going to be doing? I talked to a guy one time. I knew it. He knew it. He said, tried to Jesus juke me. I said, dude, you don't have to pray about it. You already know, right? You're right. I know. Find your niche. Serve. And I'm not necessarily saying it has to be at the bridge. Might get shot for saying that. But you know what? The church is so much bigger than just right here at the bridge. It's the body of Christ. It's worldwide. It's Jesus's. Maybe it's an organization in the community. Maybe it's something that you can get involved in and your particular talent and your particular level. But God wants you to get involved and he wants you to serve. Now, maybe it is at the bridge. We have lots of opportunities to serve here. You have a connect card in front of you. You can check, I want to serve. I want more info. We got, we got places we can plug you in. We believe that you are most fulfilled in your Christian walk when you're serving in the body of Christ. Through outreach projects, I mean, whatever. God's got places he wants to put you. Find your niche and find your place of service. Can we pray together? If, if, uh, I want to pray for three things. One, if you're a spiritual teen in the house today, again, you're right where you're supposed to be. But commit to grow. Say right now, I don't want to stay here. If you're not a spiritual teen, maybe you're a little bit further. I want you to ask yourself this question. What am I doing to help those who are in this stage? I I don't want to just get stuck in my own journey with God, but I also want to take what God is doing in me and I want to pour it out to other people. And then thirdly, maybe you're still in the seeker stage. Maybe you're living life and you've never crossed that line of faith, but you would say today, "I, I want to give God my life. I want to give you the opportunity to do that today as we pray. 
Can we pray together? God, thank you so much for the opportunity to come into this building today, Lord, and to just gather together as your church, to hear uh, your word, to hear some, some great music and, and have God-inspired leaders that led us in that awesome time of worship to you. Lord, we're grateful for an opportunity to come into a room like this. God, and I, I just want to pray for all the spiritual teens, Lord, that are in the house today and listening to this message. Lord, if, I, if, if, if they're here and they're, they're thinking there is something wrong with me, I just want to just put the spotlight on that lie right now. And I just pray right now that they see and feel, and Holy Spirit, only you can do this. Show them how deep and wide your love is for them. How, how inspired you are that they're even seeking you, that you long to, to reach them right where they're at and to walk with them and to help them overcome strongholds and to keep journeying in this awesome relationship they have with you and in this meaningful and impactful uh, journey that they have in this Christian maturity walk. I, I pray that they would not be overwhelmed by thinking that there's something wrong with me, but they would learn what they need to learn because they're committed to growing in you and move forward. In Jesus' name. Lord, those who are not in this stage, Lord, I pray their minds would continually be thinking, how can I help those around me maybe who are? What, what can I do? How can I pray? What can I, what can I be for somebody who's coming up? Lord, I pray you would use us in that way. In Jesus' name, inspire us, Lord. Don't let us be content or selfish, Lord, but let us get inspired because you love us so that we can pour out and love others. Lord, those in the room who, who have never given their life to you, but they say today they, they want to do that. I, I believe that every time the word of God is preached, Holy Spirit, that you, you move, God, and you, you, you move hearts. And what I believe there's people here today that would say, I, I want to receive you for the first time, Jesus. The Bible says if, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. He said, I'll change the eternal condition of your spirit in a split second. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit, his, his power takes up residence in you to give you power to live and give you power to overcome strongholds, give you instruction on how to move forward through his word, remind you of the things that Jesus says. It's, it's pretty powerful. And he says you can receive him and just like that. And maybe you're sitting here and you're, you're saying, I want to do that. I wonder if you just pray with me. I'm going to say this prayer. It's, it's a bold prayer. I wonder if you'd be bold enough to say this prayer with me as I pray it. God hears your heart and he knows exactly what you're thinking and where your heart is. And he can reach you right where you're at. Not just in this physical seat, but at the exact place you are in life. You are never too far away from the one who made you so that he can't reach you. He can reach you right where you're at in your life. Pray this prayer with me. God, I... I need you. If I could have fixed my own life, I would have done it. But the fact is, is I can't. The Bible says that I'm, I'm born a sinner. I've tried to run from that. <laughs> but the fact is, is that I'm not perfect. And the wages of my sin, the wages of my imperfection, the cost of it is death. It's, it's an eternal death. But you sent your son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, overcame every stronghold, overcame every temptation, lived a perfect life, and then died in my place. And I accept him. I accept him as Lord. I accept him as your son. He is who he said he was. And, and your word, I believe that it's true. It says, when I believe that in my heart and confess with my mouth that I am a sinner, then I am made new in my life and I'm saved. And that's the decision that I'm making today. I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ as your son. That doesn't mean I have all the answers. 
In fact, if anything, it means that I'm at a starting place and I need you. (laughs) I need you to show me. I need the church to surround me and help me. But God, one thing I do commit to do, and that's wake up every day and aim my heart at you and say, I I need you to help me walk this journey. And I believe that you're going to show me what I need in every step of the way to be in the exact spots that I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be at them. I, I entrust that to you. In fact, if if there ever was a moment that I knew I was imperfect, it's now. And I want to wake up every day like that and say, Lord, let your perfection shine in my life with grace and mercy. Help me grow. It's in Jesus' name I pray that. Can we say amen together?